Well, if you have a sense that there is something deeper, typically it might show up as visual memories, like almost like imprinted frames of a movie. So it could just pop into your consciousness. Or when you hear a certain song, it can activate you. Or when you, you know, smell a certain scent, it can activate you. Or if you're around a certain person that was, you know, part of that trauma, it can very overly activate you. If, if the trauma was sexual in nature, your sexual experiences can be very activating for you. Typically, it's a sense and a knowing and, a, and like I said, imprinted memories. But when you're dissociated from a memory, there's a reason. It's because when you were at that age or whenever it happened, however old you were or not, the experience was so extreme that your brain said, nope, we're not going to go there. We're going to numb that shit out. We're not going to even look at that. And we're going to forget it temporarily. But your body doesn't forget. Your nervous system doesn't forget. Your whole inner condition is still activated in response to that unresolved trauma. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Gabby Bernstein. Gabby is a number one New York Times bestselling author and has written books such as Super Attractor and The Universe Has Your Back. She is also the host of the rapidly growing Dear Gabby podcast, where she provides real-time coaching advice as well as conversations with inspirational guests. The occasion for today's combo revolves around her newest book, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. And I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. This conversation with Gabby is absolutely incredible as always. So let's get this conversation going. And welcome Gabby Bernstein to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Gabby B, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, my brother. It's so good to be with you. It's always good to see you. And uh, I'm so looking forward to diving back into conversation with you and chatting about your new book, happy days and there was a there was a quote as i was reading your book that struck me and i was like this is how we're going to start because i believe it encapsulates like your message throughout the whole book and it's this it says i'm free from my past because i became brave enough to face the deeper reasons behind my suffering and fearlessly show up for healing so so what did you mean by that? And then what have been a few of the, the deeper reasons that have really catapulted your healing? I love that you opened with that quote, because this book, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace, is an entire journey of having the bravery to go to the places that scared me to come out the other side and guide my readers on how to do the same. And so we can't actually go to those places unless we're brave enough and willing to actually look at that. And in this book, I really offer the reader a lot of gentle guidance and support on how to go there. And then I I guide them deep dive into what I've done in my own recovery to really get to a place where I now feel safe in my body, safe in my life, free of anxiety, and can really enjoy living. 
And that's the goal for the reader. Yeah, for sure. And and the reason I really liked it as well is because you and I both know in recovery, I think the the key to thriving in recovery is figuring out like why you chose to use drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever your drug of choice was, like why you chose to use that to numb the pain. Because I think there's a lot of people they'll get into recovery and they'll end up just changing addictions. And I know you did that. So talk a bit about like early recovery for you. If you go back in your early days of sobriety, like what are a few things you would do differently? For me, I believe that every stage of my recovery has been perfectly planted. And in early recovery, what I needed most was <laughs> to be able to find friends, to find the fellowship and the community. I was obsessed with meetings. I was obsessed with just the connection. That's what I needed most then. As the years went on, I dove deeper into the steps and started to unearth more. And as time went on, in the book I share that for over a decade, I was sober. By the time I was 11 years sober, I went into a memory that I had dissociated from, and I dreamt about it and remembered having an experience of being sexually abused as a child. And it was the most terrifying experience in my life to, to remember that and to be thrown back into that. But what it instantly gave me was the sense of relief and understanding, oh, that's why you were a cocaine addict. That's why you were a workaholic. That's what you've been running from all this time. And so I opened this book with really addressing the, with the reader why we run, why are we running? And then I go into what are we brave enough to wonder what it is, what's beneath it? And so looking closely at the ways that we have built up all these addictive patterns and different pr protection mechanisms to avoid feeling impermissible feelings. Yeah, you're you're right and you know thank you so much for not only being vulnerable on the podcast but being vulnerable in your book about that because I, I can't imagine how hard that must be to to open up and share it not just to one person but now potentially to to millions of people that are going to hear that part of your journey and I guess kudos to you for not only having like that dream and manifesting that dream to help propel you to this next level of healing but also doing the work to unpack that so maybe there's people that are listening to this and I know you talk a lot in your book about like self-awareness and triggers and how to become aware of those types of things so that you can dive back into your past. So let's just say that somebody has had a traumatic experience that they are unaware of, but it's showing up in different areas of their life, but they haven't had that dream yet. Like what steps can they take to see like what has been like haunting them for so long? Well, if you have a sense that there's something deeper, typically it might show up as visual memories, like almost like imprinted frames of a movie. So it could just pop into your consciousness. Or when you hear a certain song, it can activate you. Or when you, you know, smell a certain scent, it can activate you. Or if you're around a certain person that was, you know, part of that trauma, it can very overly activate you. If, if the trauma was sexual in nature, your sexual experiences can be very activating for you. Typically, it's a sense and a knowing and, a, and like I said, imprinted memories. But when you're dissociated from a memory, there's a reason. It's because when you were at that age or whenever it happened, however old you were or not, the experience was so extreme that your brain said, nope, we're not going to go there. We're going to numb that shit out. We're not going to even look at that. And we're going to forget it temporarily. 
but your body doesn't forget. Your nervous system doesn't forget. Your whole inner condition is still activated in response to that unresolved trauma. I talk about this all in the book. You know, it happens, there's psychosomatic effects. Your body starts to take the brunt of it, right? You have gastrointestinal issues. You have migraines. You have you have sleep disorder. You're, you likely become addicted. You know, that's very often that we become addicts because of unresolved trauma. I actually write in the book that I believe the root cause of addiction is trauma. And I'm not the only one out there saying that. And I mean, you've got Gabor Mate out there saying that everywhere. You know, it's the reason we become addicted is because we're running from an impermissible exiled feeling from that we haven't resolved or experience that we haven't resolved. And so we have all these different ways that we built up these protection mechanisms, but we're actually really hiding. And so in the book, I talk a lot about what happens when you actually dissociate from a, from a memory. And it is a, a brain function that's there to support you, but in also many ways, it's really hindering because, like I said, your body remembers and your nervous system remembers. So you've got a lot of hypervigilance and a lot of ways that you just are overactivated or completely numbed out to just not have to face that pain. And in my case, listen, it came back in a dream. For some people, it can come back as a flashback. Typically and hopefully, if you have a dissociated memory, you have the experience that I had, which is it came back in a dream or that, but most, most likely, most importantly, it came back in a therapy session. Like I've, I had the dream, I ignored it for a few days, I went back to therapy, and then there in that room where I was safe with my therapist, it was completely revealed. And so I asked my therapist, why now? Why did this come up now? And she said, because you're safe enough to remember it now. That's, that's incredible. And I, I really enjoy like reading those parts of the book where you're kind of like bouncing back and forth between like you're in your therapist's office and then like you're implementing different parts of the work that you're learning through her or through some of the other practices that you talk about in your book. I think one of the things that might shock some people is your relationship with achievement because they see you as this spiritual guru, this person that's like live in the present and just be focused on now. But like, it seems to me that part of uh, what you had to work on was this healthier relationship of the stop chasing, like the what's next, like the next book, the next speaking thing. So talk a bit about that. Yeah. And first, I'm just going to say one thing, not to you, but to just for my own, my own protection is I never want anybody to see me as a guru. And I, I say that because I'm really just here as someone who's lived a, lived a lot of life and I want to be a rock and tour. I want to be a translator. I want to be a teacher. But I don't want anybody to put me on a pedestal because when you make someone a guru and they fuck up in any way or any time or they disappoint you or they do something that isn't, then it all falls apart. You fall with them. And so I'm not a guru. I am here to help people recognize that they are the guru. You are the guru for yourself, connecting to that power within yourself. It's really important for me to really always emphasize that. And it's a phrase, you know, but I wanted to, to for my own respect of the reader, I, you know, when they say to me, people say to me, your book changed my life. You changed my life. I'm like, I did not change your life. I wrote a book. I told some stories. I gave you suggestions. You did the fucking work to get to where you are. You changed your life. You are the guru. So that's, that's one point. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think all along the way of my career, even before the memories, I was always extraordinarily transparent about my shortcomings. And that's what I think a lot of my readers 
benefited from most was my truth and my authenticity. And so even when I was struggling with work addiction and overwhelm and stress, it would become part of my talk. It would become what I was writing in the book because in whatever book I was writing at that time, because all the while I've written nine books, each book is a part of my healing journey. And I have always said that I've write, written my books for myself first, and then I know that they can heal the reader or serve the reader. And so I never really was, I don't think that my readers, my longtime readers are going to be surprised by the idea that I was, you know, in this workaholic way, because I talked about it in a sense, you know, I talked about my feelings of needing to get it all done, my feelings of not letting people help me. I was forthcoming about it. But what did happen was I was more forthcoming than my publishers expected. <laughs> and so the first pass of the book that they read, they came to me and they're like, we're worried about you, Gabby. Like, we're, we're scared for you to share all this. It's too vulnerable. And I write this in the intro. I responded to them and I said, and they're like, you're not showing your true strengths. My response was, my ability to be this vulnerable is my true strength. But I did listen to them and I did agree with them because I was showing a lot of the, the dark stuff. And there's a lot of story there. But it, all the while, even in the midst of work addiction, even in the midst of trauma recovery, even in the midst of cracking into the trauma, I was showing the fuck up, man. You know, I was showing up. I was bringing my all to my own practice and to others. And so there was a tremendous amount of strength and resilience, even in those moments when I was coexisting with the trauma and with the recovery. And I think that's really important because if anybody's about to embark on this journey, I don't want them to be like, oh no, I've got to go hide out for the next decade to heal. No, 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 no. Have fun along the way. Write nine books along the way. Be of service along the way. But stay truthful to yourself about what it is that you genuinely need to focus on and heal. If you'd like a shortcut to better sleep, more energy, and a calmer, more stable mood, then you should make sure you're supplementing with magnesium daily. Let me tell you why. About 75% of people are magnesium deficient. This deficiency can lead to higher levels of anxiety, irritability, trouble sleeping, and low energy. It can even contribute to foot and leg cramps while you sleep. The good news is that you can experience a number of positive health benefits from just getting enough magnesium, including better sleep, more energy, less irritability, and even a calmer mood. But to experience these health benefits, you have to get the right kinds of magnesium. The truth is, most magnesium supplements you'll find in health stores use only the two cheapest synthetic forms, and this is why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Their organic, full-spectrum magnesium supplement includes seven unique forms of magnesium that can help reduce stress and improve sleep. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels, and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Doug. It's M-A-G breakthrough.com forward slash Doug, and use code Doug10 during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. Again, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Doug, and use code Doug10 during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. 
It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Thanks again, you know, for bringing up the the whole guru thing. And like the reason I said it is because I think sometimes people like they get caught up putting people in the personal development space on this pedestal and they see them as like the end all be all. And you're right, like everybody kind of makes mistakes and you set yourself up for kind of, you know, some some unfortunate like failures if you're calling yourself this thing and then you make a mistake and then now all of a sudden you know, people don't believe in you as much as they did because you had told them something that wasn't completely true. So thank you for for sharing that. And I think at the end of the day, were you going to say something? Well, yeah, I was going to say like, it's really close to home for me because well, one, you know, I always have felt like, don't call me your guru, right? That's always sort of been my attitude. And any spiritual teacher out there that's like, I'm your guru, like run the other way, run. But I've experienced it firsthand in two different instances where I followed the spiritual teachings of of so-called gurus, and I got a lot out of those teachings and life tra- life changing practices that transformed my life. But the men, the two different men that led these practices, turned out to be really messed up humans who did extraordinarily harmful things to people, violent things, illegal things. One of them is dead now, and the other one's in jail. Right, so it's heartbreaking. The more you become attached to those individuals, it really is heartbreaking because you fall, it's almost like you fall with them if you, if you, the, the stronger you've been, you know, idolizing them. So I really recommend don't do that. Take what you want, take the teachings, but let the human person just be maybe in some cases someone you admire and somebody you are grateful for and someone you have a lot of love for, but it doesn't have to be your idol by any means. And I think you can just take like what I've noticed is you can just take a few things from what people say and just see how it applies to your life. And then that's right. And just you can kind of get like a nice diverse and variety of opinions of different people and just see what works in your life over time. I know you talk a lot about like a lot of your shortcomings that have happened to you in the book and some of this, a lot of the stuff that you've healed. But you also talk about a lot of the fruit and a lot of the light that's come from that. And to really solidify the idea that the universe does have your back, right? But there's people that are listening to this that they are in the thick of a setback. They just went through a breakup. They just lost their job. They just had like something go wrong in a pregnancy or something, right? Like what, like how do you convince somebody like when something like horrific happens or where they're in the the midst of a setback that the universe is going to have their back? I can speak to it with full authenticity and authority right now. Just three months ago, I was five and a half months pregnant. And I had spent a year doing IVF, eight rounds of of IVF, which is, if any woman out there has been through it, you know that's a lot. (laughs) Gained 17 pounds, put my body through a lot of stress. Finally got a perfect embryo. And the baby lived in my body for five and a half months until I found out 
at that time that my placenta wasn't helping him grow. And so I had to let him go. I had to have a surgery to ultimately, I guess, abort the child. And it was two weeks away before that would even be legal anymore in my state. And because he wasn't going to survive. And it was horrific. And it's I'm still working through some of the PTSD around it. But all the years that I've spent developing this extraordinary foundation of faith, an extreme connection to my inner condition, and the ability to lead myself with compassion and curiosity and love, I walked away and said, holy shit, Gabby, this is what you've been training for. And I, it's almost, I keep using this reference, it's like I landed in a soft pillow. My faith was a soft pillow I could fall into. And I can safely say to you right now that as difficult as that was and how in my human experience it was traumatizing and horrifying and, and, and saddening, I can see that there is great spiritual guidance in all of it, great spiritual lessons, opportunities for something new, you know, a, a trust and a faith that that soul came to me in the way that he was meant to, and that he may come back in a different form. There's so much that my faith has given me, and I've never seen it in action as powerfully than I did three months ago. So the answer to your question is, if they're in the thick of it right now, first, before they're in the thick of it, I would hope that people would start to develop tools like this. Read a book like Happy Days. Start to develop your toolbox and your steadiness and your internal landscape to be steady enough for when things are less, are more disruptive in your life. Because even if it's not a, an extreme tragedy, which hopefully it's not, it'll be COVID. It'll be, it'll be something that we're hit with. It'll be, you know, remembering something from your childhood. It'll be dealing with a divorce. It'll be something. And grief can be very graceful when you have the foundation of faith beneath you. And that faith doesn't just have to come from a spiritual connection. That faith can come from your own inner connection to your inner wisdom. So that's where I would say, like, get started now before the shit hits the fan. But if you're in the midst of that crisis right now, the best thing that you could do is just really give yourself permission to take it slow, to titrate into the feelings and then come out of it. And let, if you're numbing out for a little while, like, that's okay, then titrate back into it with a safe person or a therapist or a, a loved one and then come back out and just dip in and dip out because you don't want to just overwhelm your entire nervous system at once just trying to face into the, the tragedy or the pain. You can have fun along the way through your grieving process, through your suffering. But just slightly in and slightly out is, is, a, is a gentle path. And read the book. Read the book. It will hold you and it will support you. I love the way you said all that. And thanks for, for opening up and sharing about like what you experienced. I remember seeing it and I was just heartbroken for you because I remember the last time you were on the podcast, you said you were manifesting another kid. Like that was like what you were working on. And and I still am, Doug. Right. I still no. am. Just in a different way. Like I really believe that there's another soul coming to me now back around second podcast. I believe there's a soul coming to me and I know not it's not through my body and I'm open to creative possibilities for how that can happen. But I know it's not through me. That I know. That's amazing and I'm I'm really happy to hear that because there's a lot of people that I think go through something like that or other hardships in their life and when they attach like the hardship to being 
like the way it's going to be forever that every time they get into a relationship now it's going to be a breakup or every time they have a pregnancy it's going to fail or every time they go and apply for a job they're not going to get or I go on and on with these examples and and unfortunately like you can't change the past like you can't right and you talk a lot about how to be at peace with your past which we're going to get into next but the only thing you can change is how you move forward from the past so let's like walk the audience through a bit like how you've made peace with with your past because i know just when what you went through you experienced a lot of loss you were very shameful towards yourself with everything you went through and talked down to yourself at times but you were able to kind of unpack all that to to heal and become like where you are right now so in the book i tell the stories of what happened but i also offer the solutions for what i did to get back to safety and so I share all of the therapeutic and spiritual principles that were my guideposts, were the, the lighthouse. Some of those include somatic experiencing, which is about really working with the body. It's a body-based therapy to really release stagnant energy. I share about EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is a transformational method for anyone who's experienced trauma, addiction, grief, loss, phobias, really anything you can bring to EMDR, but it's exceptional for undoing traumatic, resolving traumatic events. I break all that down in the book. I break down a, a therapy system called internal family systems, which is something I've been practicing with my therapist for a decade. And then this past year, I got trained in the level one certification and I got my continuing ed education credits to be to to real, really be able to facilitate this process. And I write about that in the book. And the, the, that in particular was one of the practices that I would recommend to anybody that's going to read this book to really look more closely at, because the it, it's very spiritual in that it identifies that we have these different parts of ourselves, but most importantly, we have this part of ourself that is called self with a capital S. And Doug, you might refer to it as your higher power, right? But it's the part of us that's compassionate and caring and curious and courageous. And when we get a direct line of communication and connection to the self, then all the other ways that we are reacting and activated and addicted can be led in a different way, led by that internal parent rather than acting out all the time. And so that's a lot in one sentence. It's a lot of, I just wanted to mention all these different therapies because the answer is that it wasn't like, oh, I just like woke up one day and I was better. But I share my journey of all the practices I use to calm my nervous system, to resolve memories, to change patterns. And they share it all in the pursuit of one, showing people that they're not alone, and two, saying, hey, like, this is my playbook. And this is how this is my playbook for recovering from trauma and, you know, dip into it and see what you like. And here are methods you can do right now. Yeah, you definitely dove into like a bunch of different methods that people can begin to unpack themselves. I mean, a lot of them I, I've done and have been really helpful for me, whether it's somatic work, whether it's EMDR, talk therapy. I, I haven't specifically done the internal family systems, but I was intrigued by it because there's people that they, they're aware, I think of their flaws, right? They're aware of their, the things that are quote unquote wrong with them. And it seems that in the internal family systems, like you have to be okay and ex be accepting of all parts of you. Yes. Yes. So it, for instance, you have an addict part. I have an addict part. 
In IFS, we could look at that part that's now sober and now in recovery. And we can also look back at when it was overactivated and extreme. And I can speak for myself. I can look back at that, that part of me, the addict, and say, thank you for your service. Because at the time, I didn't have anything else I could turn to. And you kept me safe at that time. Or you, you kept me numb when I needed to be numb. And then be able to say to that addict part now who's in recovery and sober, all right, like, you don't have to go away. You don't have to, you don't have to disappear. I'm not going to shun you because you're no longer extreme in my life. Why don't you get really hooked on, you know, creating art, you know, or you can still be there when I have to launch a book and just like really work your ass off and get it done, but not with so much extreme, forceful and aggressive energy, right? So the point being is that we have all these, we have these child parts that are exiled and that's the parts of us that were abused or the parts of us that were told we were stupid or bullied. And then we have these resourced part of self undamaged self, and then we have these protector parts. And the protectors are the addict, the protectors are the controller, the workaholic. All the ways that we might perceive ourselves as having all these flaws, they're not flaws at all. They're beautiful parts of who we are that have been protecting us from feeling impermissible feelings. And the work is to help them become less extreme through direct access to that self. It's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. I'm trying to sort of do my best to give you the cliff notes, but it's in the book. And I break it down very beautifully. Yeah, you really do. And I, I like how you, you broke it down there. And it's interesting that to look at it as these parts of you that get activated. Like I think of people that get upset with themselves because maybe they struggle they struggle with like their temper. And maybe when, during times of stress, like that part of them gets activated more. But when they're not stressed or when they're around people that they, they align with, the temper kind of you know, subsides a bit. So I, I like how... You and actually, let me unpack that more for you, Doug. So sorry to interrupt you, but their temper is a protector part. And it's when the, you, you said something like when they feel activated by someone or something, right? Right. When they're activated, it's that exiled child part that's like coming through. Like, I have a big feeling, right? And the temper is like, no way, man. You know, you're not going to feel that feeling. I'm going to use my temper to, to silence that feeling. And so the work at IFS is to, to, to let yourself energy, to let the compassionate part of you look at that temper and say, what do you need? How can I help you? What would you be doing instead if you didn't have to do this job? And just help it relax and settle. And then we can get closer to the part that's really in need, which is that child part. This isn't work that you would do on your own necessarily. In the book, I give practices for connecting to self energy. But this is the kind of work that I would recommend doing with an IFS therapist. Yeah. And I'm glad you put that in your book. You put that in, you talk about it in there a couple of times where you want to like make sure that you're doing the work with a licensed professional, with a mental health professional so that, you know, you're able to go through this in a way that's, that's totally safe for yourself and others. So Gabby, I know uh, your time is precious and I wanted to thank you for coming back on here. And for those listening, highly encourage you to go pick up her book, Happy Days, it's a, it's a game changer. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Where can people, if they want to buy it, I'm guessing it's available wherever books are sold. I'm guessing it's going to be on your website and all the things. Yeah, you can go to DearGabby.com. You can go on any of your retailer sites or in the stores if you feel like you have a local store you want to support, which I always recommend. And yeah, that's where you can go get the book. And I hope it supports you greatly. And Doug, I just adore you. I just really appreciate. I say this at the end of any podcast where I'm being interviewed by somebody who actually really read the book. I just want to say that I have a tremendous amount of gratitude that you 
went there and that you took that journey with me. And thank you. I love you. I can't wait to come back in a year with a with a baby, probably. <laughs> yes, yes. And I appreciate you coming on. I know that you get in a lot of interview re requests and I'm, I'm just blessed that you, you know, said yes to coming back on. And yeah, I mean, I try to come up with different questions that maybe you don't get asked a lot that I think will be mm -hmm. valuable to the audience. And then also that might challenge you because I, I like being challenged on an interview and I just am like, all right, like what are some things that maybe she doesn't open up about as much that we can kind of uh, press on a little bit. So thank you. And I wanted to thank you all for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we'll see you next time.